Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yeah, great to have your company. Uh, I've just seen the last text, actually, from the run home. It says, do you have a secret Valentine, Jimmy Williams? Can I declare, it's been just non-stop here at SENWA today. There's been some, you know, just random females ringing up, wondering what Jimmy's doing when he finishes work, uh, wondering if they can hook up. I wouldn't be surprised at 6 o'clock when he finishes work that there is a line outside the SENWA studios here. Pick me, pick me, pick me, they'll be saying. Uh, Great to have you on board. If you are going out for a bit of uh, Valentine's magic tonight, have a fantastic night. Do enjoy it with your partner. And uh, it is certainly the day of love. And uh, we're going to be expressing a bit of love over the next hour. In fact, we're going to be speaking very shortly and I'll pose this question to her. The other night we saw Travis Kelsey for the Kansas City Chiefs and we saw Taylor Swift in all the glory in the corporate box with the best champagne and the best drinks and the best company and all that. I'm speaking to Elisa Healy, the captain of the Australian women's cricket team, who are in town to take on South Africa in their first ever test match between the two countries. Gets underway And what was the home of cricket, and probably still is the home of cricket, the WACA ground tomorrow gets underway at 11 o'clock. Now, her and Mitchell Stark will be married eight years in April of this year, and they've become a real dynamic sporting couple, haven't they? It was fantastic. And again, I'll bring it up in the interview and I'll chat to her in a few moments' time. When Mitchell actually, it was during one of the women's T20 matches against South Africa, And Mitchell Stark was invited as a guest on the panel. They have the three commentators there in the booth. And at the end of the match, they interviewed the Australian captain, which was Elisa Healy. So husband and wife are having a good old banter between each other, very professional, but there was a nice touch to it. And there was a bit of comedy as well in the conversation. But they are certainly two outstanding cricketers in their own right. We know what Mitchell Stark has delivered in the men's game. And we know what Elisa Healy has delivered in the women's game. After all, she made her international debut with Australia back in 2010 and only recently took over the captaincy from Meg Lanning. And we'll touch on that as well, what it was like to take over from Meg Lanning, who was such uh, highly regarded as one of the great leaders of Australian sporting teams and certainly the successes that they had under the tutelage of Meg Lanning. So Elisa Healy is going to join us in just a little while right here on SENWA. All right, last night I witnessed an enjoyable match. It really was a very enjoyable match between Australia and the West Indies here at Optus Stadium. In the end, the West Indies, as they did in the Test Series, uh, the final test, they recorded a victory, so it was a good performance for them in the Test Series. They lost the three ODI matches. They lost the first two T20 matches. And the final dead rubber match was here last night. But the word going around the ground when I arrived was that they were really pumped up to leave these shores with a victory. And they did last night, beating Australia by 37 runs. And the man that was crowned man of the match... (laughs) was this gentleman, Andre Russell. He pulled on a magnificent knock. 71 he scored, 29 balls, 
He hit four fours and seven sixes. Here's just a couple of highlights. That might be the plan of attack for Russell. He goes and swings again, and this time he connects even better. And that has gone deep into the crowd at the eastern end for six. Sampa bowls, full toss. Russell says, thank you very much. Six more. Yes, so in the end, he pummeled, as I mentioned, seven sixes in his 71. He was a judge man of the match, and this is what he had to say after the game, talking to Fox's Adam Gilchrist. Andre, how are you, mate? Congratulations. Uh, I guess at five for 79, it was delicately poised. It's a a position at 2-0 down where you can really just drop your head and and concede everything. But it looked like you you built a really nice partnership around the passion of playing for your region. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, you know, when it started series, not the way we wanted to start it. Um, You know, we have catch-up cricket to play. So I think we get it right tonight. And... um, Congrats to the boys. I think we play a total team, you know, effort, and um, I'm just happy to contribute as well. You took a nasty blow, a, a frightening blow from Spencer Johnson. The first ball you faced him, it struck you on the hand. But that then seemed to trigger you to, to uh, watch the ball a little bit more closely. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that situation? What were you thinking on the next delivery you faced? Uh, honestly, I thought, you know, it's just a wake-up call for me. Um, you know, sometimes wake up and... You know, it just made me more alert. I think the wicket was very, very good. You know, bounce was there and, you know, well bowled to him. But I was up for any challenge after that. That kick-started your innings and then through the middle period, you had to take a backward back seat. It's not often Andre Russell has to take a, an observer's seat, but that was a wonderful uh, partnership and wonderful to see your batting partner, Shafane, kick in the gear and get his first 50. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know... He, I didn't. I wasn't worried about him on strike and trying to get most of the strike. He was really going, and I was just there supporting him. Um, when I get the chance to get him back on strike, I was happy to do it. So, um, you know, I'm just happy for him as well. I think this is my second T20 of century. So, um, you know, we're just happy that we're playing as a team, and um, you know, we're peaking at the right time. So, congrats to Australia on the series. But I think we are happy with where we are as a team. Um, to be here in Australia and scoring 200 runs consistently for the last three games. Um, I think that's a plus for us and um, hope that we can just keep going. And once we get the bowling right, you know, see we, we can make a difference. Yeah, it was a combined performance, batting and bowling tonight, mate. We love seeing you guys out here. Thanks for entertaining us again and all the best in the upcoming World Cup when it turns up. Yes, and I they reckon they can be a roughie for the World Cup. After what we've seen, and you made a good point, they've scored 200 in all three T20 matches. Uh, they lost their first two by 11 runs and 34 runs. This was the biggest win of the series. They won by 37 last night. And as I mentioned, uh, they've got those power players, Andre Russell, Shafane Rutherford, uh, even the likes of Roston Chase and Rovman Powell, the captain. They've got a very good batting lineup. And when they get going, it's excitement plus. And you've got to remember that the World Cup, the T20 World Cup, we played in the United States and the Caribbean. So they'll be playing in their backyard. So have a look at the market. And I wouldn't mind putting a couple of dollars on the West Indies. I reckon they, from what we've seen here, and there seems to be on the back end of that test match win, a real unification. They seem to be up. They've had some dark times in recent times. We we still glorify the 70s and 80s West Indies teams in the last 20 years. At times, they've been very poor. But I just sense this tour of Australia, there's been some a real galvanisation of the players and a real belief in their ability 
against Australia, who, as we know, is the number one ranked uh, test playing nation and right up there when it comes to the T20. So we wish them the best of luck. Australia's turn at bat. They were chasing 221. They failed by 37, as I mentioned, finishing at 5 for 183. Dave Warner was exceptional again last night. 81 off only 49 balls, nine fours and three sixes. And as he declared last night, if you haven't heard, has played his final game of international cricket for Australia on Australian shores. And it was right here at Optus Stadium. Uh, David, it's been a big year for you, a big summer. Obviously with the, the focus on the tests and then you withdraw from the ODIs to go over to Dubai. How did you feel coming into this series, having had that little gap and watching an Australian team play without you in it for the first time in, I reckon, a dozen years? Yeah, look, it started off quite well over here firstly, but, um, yeah, no, it was good just to, um, to have a break and, and go over to Dubai and, um, and play in the franchise stuff. And now it's good to see, um, you know, the guys play extremely well. Um, you know, I've got a, a lot of time off uh, after this next series in New Zealand to, to sort of freshen up and, and go to the IPL before we uh, embark on a uh, World Cup in the, the Caribbean. Yeah, that, you mentioned the word freshening up. Uh, is that getting away from cricket obviously you, you mentioned the cricket that is coming up but how do you get time away from the game i know that your family's very dear to you and you enjoy that re-energizes you when you're with them yeah freshening up spending time with the with the girls and looking after them i'm um, not sure if that's going to freshen me up but um it'd be great to spend some quality time with them and um yeah just uh work on you know their, their schooling and um their sport and uh just be home at my own in my own bed you set the series up beautifully for australia down in hobart the West Indies obviously did some homework and they came out with a different plan in the next two games, Adelaide and here, bowling a little bit straighter. You've been around long enough to have mountains of bowling attacks try and plan against you. How did you find that and is it a challenge that you think you need to be aware of now moving forward? No, I was actually quite surprised, to be fair, that an opening bowler who bowls 145 and swings and not trying to get me out. So that was uh, a bonus for me. But, um, yeah, look, if I'm going to try and score and hit boundaries, um, especially in big big boundaries like here in Australia, that's something you have to work on. But um, we're going to the Caribbean. The boundaries aren't too big there. So it's something I will definitely work on in the nets. But um, I'll tackle that when it comes again. And have you cast your mind forward yet to beyond the Caribbean, beyond the World T20, about what... David Warner does after that, whenever that finishes, be it the final or earlier on in the tournament? No, no, I'm well and truly done. Um, it's time for the youngsters to come through and uh, showcase their talent. And we've got extreme talent here. And you've got a lot of the guys here from Perth that are in this team at the moment. And uh, we got, uh, we're, in, we're in good stead for the future. So that we can confirm that is the last time we'll see David Warner in Australian colours on Australian soil. That's indeed, yes. Well, congratulations, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, David Warner, player of the series. And... Uh, a remarkable international career on Australian soil comes to an end. Congratulations, David. Amazing career. When you think he started as a T20 player, he was playing great cricket. Remember, he was surprisingly invited to play for New South Wales. Just plucked out a great cricket, showed his wares at New South Wales, elevated to Australian honours as a short-form player. And then he did what my co-commentator did, but, of course, a different discipline. Brad Hogg excelled in some ways in all three formats of cricket, but of course, when you look at David Warner, he's been one of the greats of all time when it comes to his opening batting and his ability to basically make runs in test matches, make runs in ODIs, and as we saw last night, make runs in T20. 81 last night, nine fours and three sixes, and we've seen the last of Dave Warner on Australian soil. He go to New Zealand, three T20s down there, a couple of test matches, 
and then he'll prepare for the World Cup uh, in the States and the uh, Caribbean. So we look forward to that. So a bit of a special honour for the people. Over 17,000 that came to Optus Stadium last night. If you were here, uh, your thoughts on it. Love to hear your uh, take on it on the text line 0487 736 736. And those sports news headlines looking back at the match last night. Thanks to Tyre Power. You can visit your local Tyre Power store today for a free tyre safety inspection. There are over 50 stores across WA. And just recapping what has been a big day in cricket, uh, it's confirmed New South Wales will host WA in the 2023-24 Marsh One Day Cup final. It'll be in Sydney. Won't be at the SCG. Uh, it's going to be one of the suburban grounds. Could be North Sydney Oval because the SCG is not available. The Blues clinched a seven-wicket DLS win over Victoria. Thanks to Daniel Hughes' 11th uh, list A century at his first-class century from just uh, 46 games. He made 119. Uh, Moses Henriques was unbeaten on 73, hit the winning runs with seven balls to spare. Heartbreak for the Vicks, who came into the final round on the top of the standings but were leapfrogged by both the Blues and WA, who, by the way, beat Tasmania in Hobart today pretty convincingly. And Darcy Short made a very good century at the top of the order. But Tom Rogers was the big story of the day for Victoria. He hit 196 from 142 balls. His team lost and he hit 15 fours and 15 sixes. 15 fours, 15 sixes. Tom Rogers, 196, and the Vicks got beaten. Amazing. Going back to WA, uh, it's now the three Pete Hopes are still alive and Sam Whiteman's men as we mentioned, are into their fifth consecutive men's 50-over final. Can you believe it? Uh, it's just a great dynasty at the moment for WA cricket in all three forms of the game. Staying in WA, Wacker tomorrow, 11 o'clock the first uh, ball will be bowled. It's going to be pretty hot. We'll speak to the Australian women's captain next here on Sports Day WA for Toolmart, the complete uh, tool centre where they've been serving WA for over 45 years. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. We're going to speak to a wicketkeeper shortly. Uh, welcome back to Sports Day WA. But Australian test keeper Alex Carey set a new domestic record and equaled a world record at the same time on what, as I mentioned before the break, was a wild final day of the one-day competition. And as I said, an extraordinary maiden century from Tom Rogers. 15 fours, 15 sixes, made 196 of 142 balls, but they were beaten by New South Wales and won't partake in the Marsh one-day cup final. It'll be between New South Wales and WA. But in Adelaide, the test keeper Carey, back playing for his state before heading off to the Tour of New Zealand, took a staggering eight catches in his team's dead rubber with Queensland. Now, did I hear Paul Hazelby saying he didn't rate that? That is bizarre, Hayes. Hayes, if you're listening, it is bizarre. In the end... A wicket keeper is there to take the catches, whether they're simple ones, not so simple ones, or difficult ones. Sure, the batsman gets the edge, but you've got to complete it. And to take eight catches and not spill one is an extraordinary effort. So I think Paul Hazelby was a bit off track saying that he didn't rate that record 
because the wicketkeeper simply stands behind the stumps and his responsibility is to take catches. You've got to take them. Just like full forwards in footy. If they kick eight goals and all of them within 25, 30 metres directly in front, what will be the reaction? It'll be over the top. Congratulations. Big raps on the full forward. Yet, that's his job, to kick goals. And if they get them from 20 metres out, 25 metres out, 50 metres out, on an angle, it doesn't matter. His job is to score goals. Hayes, a wicketkeeper's job is to take catches. Do you agree with me or not? All right, congratulations, Alex Carey. Eight catches out of ten wickets is a superb effort. And as I mentioned, a domestic record, and uh, it's also a record that I think will likely never be beaten for a long time. All right, um, let's go to our special guest, a wicketkeeper in her own right, captain of the Australian women's cricket team, and they are... In town, ready for day one of the historic test between Australia and South Africa. Elisa Healy joins us on the program. Elisa, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I'm going to ask the hard question first. Get ready for this, all right? Now, it's Valentine's Day, and Mitchell, your husband of almost eight years, has he done anything special today? No, absolutely zero. I haven't even heard a happy Valentine's. Um, but I feel like that's stock standard when you get married. I feel like that ends. But um, <laughs> the day is not done, so I'll wait. <laughs> I speak from experience. That is so true. That is so true. We talk about the Healy name, and it's so synonymous with cricket in Australia. As we know, Ian Healy's your uncle who's involved with SENQ. And, of course, your dad, Greg, uh, was a also a, a batter wig keeper, I think, for Queensland some time ago. Um, yeah, obviously, I think most of the Healy's that have, that have come through have, have played cricket at, at one time or another. I think Ian's son, Tom, played underage cricket for Queensland as well and had the gloves. So, um, yeah, there's something in the genes, um, something in the water that um, the Healy's drink. But um, funnily enough, I didn't actually get into the game with um, through family. I mean, we played it in the backyard, but it wasn't until we moved to Sydney and I went to, to school and um, one of the other girls, actually, that I was friends with um, wanted to give tr- cricket a try, so I went along with her. So it's, um, yeah, quite a weird story. But, um, mm. yeah, I mean, having the last name Healy and your back running around for Australia is um, is kind of a cool thing. It is very cool indeed. Saying that, before we get into the test match tomorrow, the historical test match between Australia and South Africa, the reason the uh, Healy or your family moved from the Gold Coast to Sydney? Was that a professional move by the family or was it for other reasons? Uh, it was Dad's work, um, purely. I think um, he was working and uh, got moved or well, got a job opportunity, I think, down in Sydney. So he moved down away from um, away from the rest of the Healy's, got out of Queensland. So it's been a pretty good move, I think. OK, tell us about your nickname, Midge. <laughs> Are you still called Midge amongst your teammates or is it very much uh, the inner sanctum that still call you that? Um, I'm quite literally called Midge by most people right around the world, just simply because Elisa seems to be really hard for people to say. So um, it is what it is. And unfortunately, or fortunately, um, Dad gave me that nickname when I was about two and it stuck right throughout my sporting career. It started on the soccer field, I'm pretty sure. So um, it's still there. It's um, it's a lot easier to, to roll off the tongue than Elisa. So uh, I'm stuck with it for life, I think. History in the making tomorrow. The first time there's been a test match at the Wacker between Australia and South Africa. It's a privilege that the Wacker is hosting such an important event. What's the general feeling inside the camp? 
Well, just a, a real buzz around around the group. I think um, we don't often get to play at the Wacker too much anymore. We don't seem to play much international cricket over this side of of the country. So the fact that we can be over here, play at the Wacker, which is you know quite an iconic ground around the country, and also on top of that being a Test match, um, just means everyone's really excited and um, ready for the opportunity to get out there and um, play some good hard test cricket. There's been a spasmodically test cricket played at the Wacker. It started back in 1958. There was a draw there. Australia actually have never won a test at the Wacker. England were the last to visit here in 2014 and beat the Australians. So a bit of a hoodoo to overcome. It will be fast. It will be bouncy. And the certainly the outfield will give you value for your shots. Uh, have you had a look at the track? Um, yeah, we've, we've had a couple of days out here training, um, staring at it right now, and it, it looks an absolute belter. Um, They've had to put a heap of water into it. Obviously, you guys haven't had a lot of rain over here for a long period of time, but um, it looks like a really nice wicket. Probably, um, as per usual, Wacker, it might do a little bit on the first morning, but um, looks like a really nice batting track. So as a unit, we've just got to uh, work together and adapt with bat and ball and make sure that um, we're staying in the contest, um, as cliche as that all sounds. But um, it looks like a a good old-fashioned test Wacker wicket, which we're excited for. It is a summer sport cricket, and I know that you've gone to India where there is oppressive heat and other parts uh, around your travels, but saying that 42 degrees forecast tomorrow in Perth, 11 o'clock is when the first ball will be bowled. When the heat is about, and it looks like being a prolonged heat, I think uh, for the continuation of the Test match, uh, it'll be well over the old 100-degree mark and the old Fahrenheit uh, scale. Concentration becomes such an important part of the game, whether you're batting, wicket-keeping or fielding when the heat's so oppressive. Oh, 100%. And you're, you're spot on. We haven't played a lot of a lot of test cricket either. It's not like, you know, we're overly conditioned to this format. So it's just going to be about managing our, our workload and also managing our, our mental um, resilience right throughout the game. Yes, it's hot, um, but we'll deal with that. We've it's been stifling over in the east coast of late with the humidity. So it's actually a nice change to come over here into a, a different sort of heat. So we feel... We feel like we're ready to go. We're um, we're fit enough. We're strong enough to handle that. It's just about probably managing ourselves while we're out there. And and for the bowlers, I mean, we're absolutely blessed within our squad. Um, the eleven that we we pick will probably have eight bowling options in there. So our ability to be able to rotate in that regard. Um, hopefully will put us in good stead. Saying that before we leave the heat, uh, you've got such a responsibility. You're the wicketkeeper. You've just taken on the mantle from Meg Lanning as captain and such a, an important batsman as well. Uh, are you balancing it okay uh, since given the, the captaincy of the Australian cricket team? I'll, I'll let you judge that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think um, personally I'm doing the, the best I possibly can. I think there's... Um, there's some areas I can always tidy up on on probably all three facets but in saying that I'm doing what I can and it's just about switching on to what you need at that moment in time whether that be you know the captaincy aspect and then being able to switch off and and go into wicketkeeping mode when you're out there as well so I'm really lucky I've got a a great group of of senior players around me that um, you know have taken a little bit of the load as well and, and let me just do my thing behind the stumps but Look, I'm I'm really enjoying it, and I'm really enjoying the challenge. Um, it's not it's not too often this late in your career that you get thrown these amazing opportunities. So, mm. I'm just enjoying the the opportunity to grow and learn as a as a cricketer and also a human being, and um, yeah, doing the best I can. You gave such a, a tribute and accolades to Meg Lanning when she stepped down as captain of the International Australian uh, Women's Cricket Team. Are you a different captain to Meg, or have you taken some of her traits on board? Um, yeah, look. Uh, I think I am very different to Meg and I think an area that 
what I met, watched Meg do really, really well is was just her ability to to basically pick up the team on on her shoulders and and drag us over the line on multiple occasions, um, you know, in in clutch moments. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I necessarily haven't really done throughout my career um, with with the skill set. But I mean, if I could find some sort of balance between me and her in that regard, um, that'd be. We're both very different personalities, both on and off the field, and, and I'm not going to change who I am in that regard. I'm just going to try and be the best leader I can be. But Meg is, you know, hands down one of the most successful captains, you know, in both men and women's cricket and, and a really great leader to have played under. And um, I've taken a lot of learnings of, about the way that she, she went about things and, and hopefully I can put my own spin on on what it looks like, but in saying that, she's a pretty great person to learn from. 14-player squad, Sophie Molyneux has been named in the Australian squad for the first time since 2021 with the spin bowling all-rounder, the only addition to that squad. Looking at the squad, it seems you've got all bases covered. Uh, Very competent with the bat, good middle order, and a nice array of uh, pace and spin. Are you comfortable with the squad that is assembled here in Perth that can maybe get the job done, win, as we said, the uh, uh, multi-format series? Oh, 100%. I mean, the 14 we've got are making it really challenging to pick a final 11. I mean, we've got um, such variety um, with ball in hand and, and, and such such depth with, um, with the bat in hand as well, like you mentioned. So it's making it really challenging to pick that 11, but it does make it easier to know that whatever 11 that you we do go with are going to go out there and get the job done. So I don't think we can lose um, whichever way we go. Okay, finally, before we let you go, because I know you've got other commitments, uh, we saw Travis Kelsey and, of course, Taylor Swift the other night at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I reckon uh, Mitch Stark and Elisa Healy is probably the equivalent when it comes to Australian sporting stars. I saw that interview that you both conducted. He was in the chair. You were being interviewed on Fox Sports uh, the other day. Uh, how do you find it all? Because everybody sort of looks around to see when you're together and maybe take a few selfies and a few photos. You are must almost the, the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift of the cricket world. I'd probably liken us more to the Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively of the world <laughs> where we just take the piss out of one another instead. So, um, but look, it is what it is. And um, fortunately for the both of us, we're, uh, we enjoy our private life, um, but we also enjoy inspiring the next generation. So we're up for all of that, but um, it's very enjoyable nonetheless. We're loving it. We had Australia in the West Indies here last night. Loved calling the game. It was excitement plus. It'd be a great test match at the Wacker. It's an iconic venue. And Elisa Healy, thanks for joining us here on SEN Sports Day throughout Western Australia. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What a lovely person and great to have her on the program. So get along. I know it's going to be, in fact, I've just looked at the forecast. I said 42 in the interview. Uh, the Bureau of Meteorology has just released the details for tomorrow. Just... Put another one on it. It's going to be 43 tomorrow. But it's going to be 29 on Friday. And then it's going to warm up again on the weekend up to 42 by Sunday. What's going on with this weather? What's going on with this weather? I just can't fathom it. It is so hot. But the fact you go from 43 to 29, then up to 37, then up to 42 again, it's all over the shop. Stay uh, cool. It's going to be a great test match. Go and support the Australian uh, women's cricket team against South Africa at the Wacker and hope you enjoyed the chat with uh, Elisa Healy. We're going to take a break, come back with more in a moment. This is Sports Day WA for Toolmart, the complete tool centre and also the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Down.
Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. Uh, of course, Nutrigan Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. And uh, if you are listening in the regional areas, let's hope uh, like here in the Perth metro area, you're staying at least cool because it's certainly heatwave conditions wherever you may be listening, in the southwest, in the Pilbara, in the goldfields, in the Kimberley, wherever you may be listening, hope you're enjoying Sports Day WA and you're finding uh, a place somewhere cool it could be a bit warm, actually, at HBF Stadium on Saturday night because the Perth Glory are in action against the Brisbane Roar. And joining us on the program, and he's made some time available for us, is the CEO of the Perth Glory in Anthony Radich. Anthony, thanks for your time. Good afternoon, Peter. Pleasure to be here. Now, I'm not going to ask you the question about the ownership. Uh, as listeners know, it is work in progress. Uh, there is a decision, I gather, uh, imminent, but there's nothing much more you can say other than what I've said, and we await uh, with bated breath, hopefully, that the resolution is resolved uh, in the not-too-distant future. But there's a lot of work to be done on the field, and this Saturday night is a beauty against the Brisbane Roar with a couple of former coaches in charge of the opposition this time around. Yeah, it's just going to be an interesting encounter for, for sure. Um, definitely going to be a, a heated contest, like you said. I think we're in a we're in a good run of form, and as our, as our Brisbane coming off a five-one win, they're flying. So, um, yeah, it should be an action-packed night, and um, hopefully the boys can continue the uh, the form they've shown in the last month or so. Yeah, they haven't lost in the last four games. Two wins and a couple of draws. There could have been another win in that. Are you sensing? Because I know you meet with uh, Alan Stadjic, the coach, fairly regularly in a review situation and a preview situation. Is he feeling better about the squad? Oh yeah, he, he's, he's seen it. Obviously, he's seen it since um, since the new year that he's felt that um, the team is starting to adapt and understand his, his way of play. Um, and I guess what he's really probably most pleased with is just the heart and the spirit that the team's shown. You know, we've um, we've been lacking some playing depth. Um, we've lost a few players, and you know, in spite of all the, the obstacles and hurdles we've had to encounter, and a lot of narrow uh, defeats, I think we've lost. Um, you know. We've conceded points with uh, uh, last kick of the game four times, and you know Alan's never seen that in his career. So he's, he's copped a bit of the rough end of the stick, and you know even last week, you know with the extra time, we probably you know we copped one really late there, and it's probably you know dubious as to you know if it was the eight minutes or so, if it should have been you know um, less. But any, anyhow, with all that said and done, Alan is very pragmatic. Um, he, he deals with the cards he's been dealt and uh, just pushes forward. But yeah. He's very pleased with um, the way that the, the team has, you know, has adapted and, and, you know, really stood up this last month. We'll come back to the uh, Perth Glory A-League men's side in a moment. I spoke to Izzy Dalton from the Perth Glory A-League women's side the other day. Uh, and after being top of the table about a couple of months ago, they found things a bit trying in recent times and currently sit in sixth position. But Izzy believes still deep down inside that they can play finals football and they need to win Saturday night at Macedonia Park against the Central Coast Mariners. Yeah, unfortunately, they've fallen into a bit of a lull um, probably the last six to six to eight weeks. Um, and some of the players that were flying at the beginning of the season, they've probably dropped off in their form. But you know, a couple of them are now starting to come back to the fore. Um, and, and, and the rest of the pack are you know, starting to, to catch up and I probably understand the way we're playing and the like. So you know, some challenges there for, for Alex in, in being able to adapt and change. But you know, Izzy's one of them that's now starting to really you know, find her feet, um, scored a cracker on the weekend. Susan um, Fongson Cam, who was, you know, was a real star in the early game, sort of dropped off a bit, but you know she she played well on the weekend. So 
I think our second half, we can take heart from the way we performed in that second half last week. And um, hopefully the girls, like you said, uh, on Sunday, um, you know, can get back to winning ways. And how's Alex Aparkas been during this last couple of months? He's a perfectionist. He, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's very well respected amongst the playing group. I gather he's finding it a bit frustrating at the moment. Yeah, but he, like Alan, um, you know, he, he's, he's very resolute um, and he's an optimist, always looking forward, always trying to take the positives out of yeah, every performance. And, um, yeah, that's the thing I find most refreshing with Alex. He's, he's never downcast or, or downbeat. He's always looking for, for the positives and the upside of, uh, of his team and, um, you know, been able to get a win. So, no, uh, all things considered, obviously he preferred that, you know, um, that they hadn't dropped off in the form and particularly, you know, the last three games at, at Macedonia Park probably weren't up to the par. Um, in, to the level that we expect. But, yeah, like I said, hopefully, you know, um, the second half of last week, um, you know, he's, we'll kick-start us into this home run uh, towards the end of the season. Of course, the Perth Glory women's team playing on Sunday night. The men on Saturday night. Interesting, 40 degrees at this stage forecast for Sunday and 36 on Saturday. Thank goodness you're playing in the night because as we saw yesterday, when you're West Australian, the Eastern States don't take that into consideration. They... <laughs> They book it all for TV. Cricket here started at 4 o'clock yesterday, which was ludicrous, but they still got 17,000 here at Optus Stadium. Thank goodness it appears the fixturing has been a bit a bit more common sense this season as in previous seasons, Anthony. Yeah, it's taken a few years, hasn't it, Pete, to sort of come to that realisation that, you know, playing at 3 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon in the first summer isn't a great idea for anyone. But, um, yeah, no, I think um, I mean, the majority of our games have been played in the evening, which is good, um, really good to see. They're passionate, the fans. There's no question about that. What's been the general feedback? Because I know you've got a Perth Glory fans sort of forum that you sort of pose questions to and you get some feedback. What's the general reaction from them regarding the club? Oh, that group is tr- are tremendous. You know, they, they've got the club at heart. They just want to do all they can. And they're a diverse mix of people and they're deliberately composed in that fashion. So, you know, they're all from diff- all different walks of life to take different perspectives and views. But they're just genuine, passionate people that want to do what they can to help resurrect the club and, you know, help it rebuild. And, um, um, yeah, so we have, you know, frequent and, and um, open discussions with them. Um, and, you know, I think... I think the football public are an intelligent public, Peter, and I think they realise, you know, that the hardships we've gone through, the challenges we've been thrown, particularly in the last month, and not being able to recruit players and the like, and it sort of galvanised the community a bit. And um, having the, the guys on the park back it up with, you know, really inspiring performances, um, you know, leaving nothing out in the field, um, has really helped to galvanise that support. And um, we're, we're really grateful for it. Because sometimes, you know, players can drop their head and they're just going through the motions. That's anything but regarding the Perth Glory players. They may be short in some areas when it comes to talent and maybe even numbers in the squad, but the playing 11 are giving their utmost, aren't they, every week? Oh, absolutely. You know, it seems like we take a hit each week, and I don't want to sound negative, but it seems like we lose a player each week, but somehow we find a way to still put to maintain that level of a performance, you know. So that's been the most pleasing aspect. Um, you know, we lost... Um, we had the, the um, game at um, HBF Park recently where we, we played really well, and then we, you know... Um you know, we lose more stuff for a meeting the very next day, and you think, "Wow, can we take any more hits?" But um, mm. they found a way, and, and some players are just playing above themselves. People like David Williams, you know, scored in the last three games, and Adam Taggart's been superb all year. And then some of the youngsters, like Daniel Benny, on the you know, against Adelaide on Friday night, 
Joel and Nasmo, some of these young guys are, are stepping up and really showing their talent now as well. Good on you, Anthony. Thanks for joining us. Uh, look forward to seeing you and everybody at the Perth Glory on Saturday night. It's a 6.45 kickoff. Uh, get there because there is pre-game and also half-time entertainment these days at Glory home games. Yeah, we're trying to do the best we can in the situation we, we are, but um, you know that's all part of the course. We're in the entertainment business and and I'm, I'm really glad that people are appreciating and seeing that and the effort we're trying to put in um, to make it a, you know, a good family experience and enjoyable night out. Um, but, yeah, please get down to HBF Park and to Macedonia Park over the weekend. We won five of the last seven against Brisbane, so fingers crossed we can keep that, that run going um, on Saturday night. I don't think there's been a dull game at home this season. Plenty of goals, and for the most part, the glory have been very good with wins at home. Yeah, I think, we've, I think we might be equal on goals scored, but we're probably, I think, second most on, on goals conceded. But like you said, you, know, you look at the most recent results, you get three twos, four threes, two ones, two twos, three threes. So you're in for, uh, you're in for a lot of goals and a lot of action, that's for sure. Okay, good on you, Anthony. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for touching base, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Appreciate it, Peter. Thank you. Anthony Raddich joining us, the CEO of the Perth Glory. Just a couple of Champions League matches this morning. Quarterfinals, first leg, FC Copenhagen won. Man City 3, who have now won, I think, nine Champions League matches in a row. And uh, RB Leipzig nil, Real Madrid won. Just on the text machine... Uh, we had one from Lisa on zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. They're starting to rock up. Uh, all the young ladies for Jimmy for Valentine's Day. I can see them. They're approaching. Uh, get ready, Jimmy. You'll have to pick one. Um, Lisa says hi, Pete and team. Happy Valentine's Day to all, including to Jimmy. Congrats to the West Indies, Peter. What's your thoughts on what the likes of Mayor of Canning, Patrick Hall? said recently uh, uh, he called Greyhound Racing horrendous and insidious sport after three reported deaths. I think he should stick to looking after his own backyard, uh, being the mayor and looking after the councillors. should also go and spend time with the dog owners and see how well they are loved and looked after. Lisa, I totally agree with you. The, the Greyhound industry a few years ago went through a terrible period on the back end of an ABC Four Corners report where it was investigated, particularly in relation to greyhound owners in some of the eastern states, Queensland and New South Wales, for memory. Uh, I think the West Australian Greyhound Fraternity came out on the back end of those reports uh, on Four Corners on the ABC to say that uh, they certainly did not endorse what was going on, but certainly the WA industry is clean and completely different to those isolated cases that was reported. I see, and I see now the protection and the care that's given by the owners and the greyhound industry towards greyhound racing, because he also said, aren't we past seeing dogs go around a track and betting on them? Well, from all reports, the greyhounds don't mind. Uh, having a bit of a run. But what is interesting is that I'm seeing more and more people from a domestic point of view take greyhounds on board. Uh, I see a lot more people walking greyhounds in the streets of Perth these days. They are fantastic pets, uh, and a lot of people have embraced uh, a lot of the greyhounds as members of the family. So I'm quite comfortable with it at the moment, I must admit, uh, unlike what the Mayor of Canning 
had to say. So I agree with you, Lise. Uh, it's coming up 14 to 6. This is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years and the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Well, just here's a quick community update here on Sports Day WA. Thanks to FICO. Be alert and prepared this bushfire season. Pretty horrendous out there with the heat, so take care. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. Visit dfes.wa.gov.au. And this community update is thanks to new fire coat, the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions. It is available at Bunnings Warehouse. All right, uh, we're here for our friends at Toolmart, the complete tool centre, and as well the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento. Uh, we had a uh, we saw today Jake Waterman actually spoke uh, to the press about uh, his health issues that were certainly very much uh, amplified towards the end of last season when his father, Chris Waterman, spoke on SENWA what he thought was a lack of duty of care by the West Coast Eagles. And, of course, then the West Coast Eagles through Gavin Bell came out and went through the protocol that they had uh, with Jake Waterman on a flight back from Adelaide there at the Adelaide Oval. Anyway, he spoke today uh, about where he is regarding his health and his football. Um, I want to say it's behind me, but like I've still got to do like a few things. I take some medication um, for a while at least, but um, yeah, it's always in the back of my mind. Um, but I'd like to say that I'm very much past past it and um, very optimistic about the future and uh, you know, how I've handled it so far has been good to be able to you know, put me in good stead to, to train pretty much all pre-season. Were you in any doubt at any stage as to whether you'd be able to come back and be an elite athlete? Um, yeah, you get the doubts. Um, when I was right in the thick of it, definitely getting some doubts. I just, you know, you, you go through the, some pretty grim thoughts and um, a pretty unknown condition that I've got. Um, I just had never heard of it. And, um, yeah, at the time when you're in the thick of it, you know, it's pretty doom and gloom. But um, once I sort of turned the corner and started feeling normal again, it was... Um, yeah, how can I get back and play footy and, and get fit again? So um, I know there was a fair bit said about um, my future, but um, pretty much from from the start, I was you know, pretty set on getting back and playing footy, mate. I never once thought that you know I'd I'd be out. Yep, good on you, Jake. Well done. In fact, I just bumped into him. My my daughter was a bridesmaid at a friend's wedding a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and I went along to the service just to see how she looked. And uh, Jake was there, Jake Waterman, and. He looked really good. He was in good spirits. Uh, he was, you know, it was a hot day actually out there in the Swan Valley. I had a brief chat with him. Didn't talk much footy, but uh, certainly from a presentation point of, point of view, uh, he was up. He was happy and uh, he looked ready for hopefully a, a good uh, AFL season uh, for the West Coast Eagles, Jake Waterman. Just some other footy news. Gun Western Bulldogs midfielder Tom Libertore has ended a nine-year exile from the club's leadership group. He was named vice-captain to superstar skipper Marcus Bontempelli today. So congratulations to Tom Liberatore, of course, a premiership player, club fairest and best, and as well the son of the club legend and Brownlow medalist Tony Liberatore. So he's been voted back into a leadership position. And Collingwood defender Nathan Murphy is not contemplating retirement despite remaining 
on a modified training program indefinitely due to ongoing issues surrounding concussion. Now, the 24-year-old insisted he has not suffered a fresh setback, but said he was not in the right frame of mind to take part in much match simulation sessions, and Collingwood is not putting a time frame on Murphy's uh, return to play in that scenario with match sim. So we wish him the best of luck. That's the program. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Connor. Doing a great job, Connor. And Jimmy, we, look at them all. Look at all these ladies waiting here at SENWA. Hopefully that Jimmy will pick one of them for a Valentine's Day evening tonight. Jimmy, good luck. You're in demand. Good man. See you tomorrow from 5 right here on SENWA.